So, you know, when you're sending out your initial RFPs, adding a couple of questions, asking them about, hey, what do you have for, you know, gender neutral bathrooms or what is your company's diversity inclusion policy? And then a lot of these hotel chains have done amazing jobs because they get so much business going through there. They're going to see things that you might not think of. Definitely take advantage. Look at where you can also partner with minority owned businesses, women owned businesses, veteran owned, LGBT owned. There's so many great associations and groups that you can work with that would love to work with you and get that business and can help you on this journey. Great events create great brands, and it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. What is up, everyone? What is going on in the wide, wide world of events? My name is Rachel, and welcome to this week's episode of Great Events. I am joined with my beautiful, awesome co-host, Paulina Giusti. Hi, P. Hey, everyone. And also, we are joined for the first time on the Great Events podcast, Mr. Nathan Chin, a Cvent family member. He's been with Cvent for a long time. Nathan is our head of DEI at Cvent. But Nathan, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Let's so let our listeners know about your very fun journey at Cvent. You have a very long, extensive background in all the things, and uh, I, I think they should they should understand your breadth of experience and what you've done. And yeah, so take it away. Give give us the the one minute thirty second overview of Nathan. Yeah, happy to. So um, I've been working in the events industry for about 12 and a half years now in various roles, but I started here at Cvent actually in our client services department, helping to work with our clients on some of their biggest and most complex events, helping to set those up through the system and you know work through all those kinks. And then pretty early on in my career, I got the chance to move actually over to our technology team, where I joined the product management side and worked on enhancing our event registration product for, geez, almost about 10 years. So really working on all the ins and outs, talking to customers about all their different use cases, all the different things that they needed uh, to do with their events and the different types of events they had. But kind of in the background the whole time, I've always had a very strong personal kind of side passion and involvement with diversity, equity, inclusion type initiatives, dating back to college and even going to uh, some marches here in DC when I was in high school. My parents would let me get on the metro and carry some signs and go uh, do the March for Women's Rights back in the early 2000s. But so I was also one of the co-founders of our LGBTQIA plus employee resource group here at Cvent. And about two, just under two years ago, got the opportunity as we opened up a uh, new role for the head of DEI to throw my hat in the ring and apply. I had to go through a lot of interviews and compete against some external folks, but was very excited to eventually get to take on that role and really take a lot of the skills that I'd learned both within the company and outside of it and use it to try and make not only you know our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts within the company stronger, but also how we can apply those to you know meetings and events and help our customers with those since we're so you know intricately tied with the industry there. Yeah. Wow, that's great background. I think that that's really important too for the for the industry and the fact that you've been kind of along the ride along the ride with us for, for as long as you have been. It really helps us. It helps the event. And it also helps the industry. So excited to have you today. So let's let's kick it off. And what we like to do, Pauline and I like to you know make it make it simple for our for our listeners. We have a a lot of different types of listeners out there, namely being in the events industry, but but also event marketers. Let's talk about DEI. It continues to be the top of people's talk track and their list, but there's a lot of noise on it in the, in, the, in the industry. I feel like I see something posted every day, which is not a bad thing. That's that's always good. 
but there's a lot of noise. Tell our listeners why it's so important. DEI is so important within the larger kind of engagement conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I don't want to say it's become a, a buzzword because there's a lot of people that do really care about it. But like you said, it's coming up so often that, you know, I think some people feel like they just need to check a box or say that they're doing something. And, you know, really what it's rooted in is creating those more inclusive environments. You know, events are made to bring people together and to create those different connections. And if you aren't creating a warm and welcoming environment for those people to come and participate in where they can be as much of their authentic self as possible, you're really not getting or providing you know much to your attendees you're not getting much out of them being there and those connections they're not going to resonate as well with the content that you're sharing or that you're trying to train them on they're not going to make those networking connections if they don't feel comfortable working or being around others or seeing themselves represented in you know the places on stage whether that's speakers or you know even the staff or folks working there i think we've all especially this day and age started to realize how interconnected the world's you know the economy global elements are and so you know even hosting or hosting events really just has such a bigger impact beyond you know just one group of people or one element and you can really use these events to drive a lot of other things forward in areas that you care about like through your sourcing and you know influencing how hoteliers do their business or helping to support minority suppliers through you know catering other services or on-site services things like that really can you know push your program so much further and Funny thing is, if you put in the effort and kind of do it early enough, it really takes actually zero extra effort. But if you wait till the end and then try to go back and see if you've done it right, you've got to do a lot of scrambling and usually a lot of correcting. So it can uh, you know, be an easy win and create really that golden experience that you're looking to provide for your attendees. Yeah. Inclusivity is the name of the game, right? We were just talking before we started recording. You know, that's part of the event professional's job description is bringing people together. So why don't you, let's walk through some of the things that should be high up on people's lists to pay attention to when it comes to being an event professional, being a marketer, paying attention to those DEI things. Again, like to harp on your checklists, like the checklist conversation gets up there, but event professionals are very much like that. They want to know what are the top five things that I need to do? Cause I'm trying to get this done for my event or my events program or whatever, insert that. What are, what, what is still so important for event professionals to pay attention to as of right now? You know, there's a lot of different things, but I think just kind of before I dive in, start off and frame it, there was a panelist I was speaking with a couple of years ago who I really loved the way she phrased it. And it's a very true fact, which is that inclusion always takes active and deliberate effort. It's never something that just happens automatically. You know, it always takes that extra bit of thought. So if you want to have inclusive events, and you, you really should, because that's how you're going to get the most out of the experience on all sides of the equation there, you need to be putting in that thought and that deliberate effort. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to throw tons of extra resources at it, but you need to spend the time and think about what you're doing and be very intentional with it. And, you know, checklists aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's really checking the box that we're trying to avoid. So if you have some things that you can do and build into your programs to help make them more inclusive, by all means, templatize that, share it. Just be willing to come back to it from time to time and say, is there more we could be doing? Do we need to change what we're doing? But to that end, we actually had a great session at last year's Event Connect with some panelists where we actually talked about getting started with DEI in your meetings and events program, because I think so many planners and event marketers can, you know, resonate with being told by their bosses, hey, you know, we need to make our events more diverse and inclusive. Go. And they don't really get much beyond that, whether that's, you know, additional instruction or resources, they just know it's something that they're charged with doing. 
And so, you know, to that end, we, we try to map out some things that I think were some really good advice, whether you're very early on or whether you've, you know, got something already going and, you know, just want to see if you can be doing better. The first thing is figure out what your goals are, what kind of diversity you're looking for. One of our panelists last year had a great explanation of this where she was saying, you know, the diversity needs of like the NAACP, National Association for the Incident of Colored People, is going to be very different than, you know, some of the uh, like a disability focused association. They need very different types of diversity in their events. So figure out what you're looking for, you know, and a great place to start with what you might need to be adding more of. Uh, is by looking at the demographics of your events. That could be your speakers, your attendees. You know, I would definitely say wherever you can, collect as much data as possible on those different elements. So that might be adding some questions to your registration around attendee demographics. It's always important to be very, I don't want to say cautious, but speaking, letting people know why this information is being collected, saying, hey, you know, we're going asking for this information for demographic purposes. So we can make our events more inclusive. It's an optional question, but that way people don't feel like they're, you know, being put into a box or, you know, that something nefarious is going to be done with their information. But collect that info on demographics. Ask people, you know, in the registration, what can we do to make an event more inclusive? Ask people in your feedback surveys, what can we do to make an event more inclusive? If you don't, you know, have direct access to all of your attendees, always another great place to start is within your company. Like we're lucky enough at Cvent to have those employee resource groups. And those are been some great resources we've had for asking for, you know, hey, is there anything we could do to make our conference more inclusive? like offering, you know, ways to identify people's pronouns more clearly on name badges so that that doesn't end up being misgendered. So those are kind of just some good things. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I agree with you on the registration. I think that there's a little bit of nervousness. I don't know, Pauline, you feel like this too, but like in putting those demographics out there and obviously you can make them optional. People don't have to submit what they, you know, what they want and what, you know, what, what you're trying to do, but ultimately you're trying to make it more inclusive so it should be viewed as a good thing right but i think some planners are hesitant to put things like put your preferences or your background as mandatory or you know in the <laughs> registration because they don't want to offend anybody but they also want those demographics like i remember it was faux pas a couple years ago paulina to put like you know their gender in there and and it might be, it still might be if you're only putting male and female but maybe if you're putting more options in there, it's not as, and it, maybe it's not mandatory and it's optional in the registration just to understand and leverage that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, what Nathan said, you know, that, that particular speaker you worked with who said it's all about intentional actions, you know, we can request it. We'll put it out there and the information we get back, we hope we can only enhance and, you know, leverage to make the event better each year. It's really about that benchmarking opportunity that I think leaning into the technology that events afford us, we're able to create targets and create metrics that we can say, you know, this year, our speaker base, um, you know, was more diverse. And here's why, because we were able and we're able to report on it. But I have a question. And and as I'm sort of, this is coming to me in real time, Nathan, so I apologize. But you know, as we collect this information and as we continue to make event design decisions, right, having a more diverse speaker lineup, let's say, or, you know, making fundamentally different, fundamentally different changes to perhaps programming and content, what's the appropriate, like, how would an event planner feel comfortable about promoting it? And, and to kind of use an example, right, that we've heard in the industry, talking about sustainability and the, this notion of greenwashing, right? How do we 
approach, you know, we've made, you know, at year one and now year two, maybe year three, we've made strides in offering a more inclusive conference experience. And this is how, how does it, you know, I, there's this balance of authenticity and then there's this balance of kind of over promotion, if that's the right phrase. I don't know. Any kind of suggestions around that for our listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I like that we did last year with our own conference was we had a little section dedicated on our website. You know, it wasn't plastered across every page, but we said, hey, we're committed to making this an inclusive event. So if there's anything that, you know, we can do to make the experience better, please email this address with any suggestions you might have. You can definitely take the steps to show that you're caring about it. But, you know, I think a lot of it comes off in the the marketing and the other stuff that you do, where if it's there a little too much, then, you know, it might be perceived as we're just trying to overpromote and you know, get credit for this. But if people see it truly kind of baked in throughout, and so that's where kind of the consistency comes in. Like you're saying, Rachel, the hesitance with the questions, totally understand that. That can be a very awkward thing. So that's where I always recommend, you know, putting a sentence around that, like, hey, in an effort to make the event more inclusive, we would like to collect this information. It will not be used for any purposes and will be kept completely confidential or the information will be anonymized or you know deleted afterward, especially in the case of some countries with stricter privacy laws. But let them know why it's being used. And like you said, keep it optional. It's not something they have to do. Another great thing around those questions that gives you a really nice kind of avenue for the things, because we always, you know, you don't know what you don't know is open text boxes. Any chance you have for any of those, you know, where you select something, where you can give them an other and they can put in their own information. You know, it's easy to ask if people need just dietary issues or, you know, physical accessibility, but there might be other things that we're not thinking about. Like some people might have disorder neuro disorders that make auditory processing harder. So closed captioning is better for them, but they don't need, you know, sign language. It's really easy to you know, give a list that's very short and doesn't cover all the bases. So just leaving those avenues open for folks to engage with you if they do have suggestions or if they do have additional needs, I think really shows a lot of that intent. Yeah. I think that goes back to your checklist too. Like maybe it's not a checklist, but it's a, a goal, like you said, targets and goals, setting a, a goal for your event of, okay, we want to be more inclusive to the way we speak about gender or more inclusive about neurodiversity and things like that and then list them all out because sometimes it's like oh shoot we forgot to do x and you met you have the best of intentions but you forgot to put up signs that there's strobe lights in the general session and it might cause a seizure there's just like so many things that we need to remember it's almost like we do need these checklists not a, not a checking the box but just like remembering those things yeah, and they're great for that purpose. You know, I think the other thing that really comes up a lot more with diversity, equity, inclusion, more so than some of the other areas is, you know, there's no one who really works actively in the space that is going to rake you over the coals for one mistake if you own up to it. It's a lot more about honesty and communication and transparency and saying, hey, this is where we are. This is the progress we've made. It's not where we want to be yet. And we're open to suggestions and we're going to keep trying, but pretending like, you know, you've either already gotten there and obfuscating some of the information or just not saying anything at all. That's when people get upset and start to call things out. But if you're willing to have a dialogue to own up to mistakes you make, there's almost no DI professional person that really cares about that I've run into that, you know, will seriously hold a grudge against something like that. It's just showing the effort and continually improving. I feel like that's why Pauline and I agreed to do the podcast is like one learning 
I feel like I've learned so much doing these podcasts, just speaking about it. And even when I don't know anything about the topic, like I maybe know the first three bullet points of what's important. It's, it's been awesome because we've been able to, to learn and hopefully educate our listeners on all the things that are hard to find. It's really hard to Google checklist for inclusion, inclusion, right? But if you listen to things like this, and I, I know you have other resources to share with our listeners later, but Nathan, let's dive into Cvent Connect. I know you've been actively working with the, you know, my team, Paulina's team on event design and making sure the DEI is making its way into Cvent Connect. Now we've been doing this for years, so this is a not new, a new concept for us, but I want our listeners to hear, you know, from you and Paulina, how you all have worked together. I know you have a session um, specifically that's speaking about DEI. Take us through some of the things that we've worked on together, like uh, over the last couple of years, incorporating DEI and inclusion into Connect. Absolutely. So some of those things are, you know, kind of what I just mentioned, which are looking at our registration processes and other kind of touch points and making updates to make sure that we aren't uh, we don't have blind spots, basically. So when we're asking about, hey, what assistance might you need at the event, instead of just listing out the things we know people have needed in the past, giving them an option to pick one of those or tell us that an additional need that we might not have thought of yet. Also really important, depending on who your audience is, where your event is taking place, you know, kind of in the world, is looking at what cultural or you know, other observances might be happening. Last year, our event was during Ramadan. So we realized that a lot of our attendees who would be observing Ramadan wouldn't be able to take part in any of the meals. So we made sure that we had an easily accessible, clearly marked prayer room, and also that we had meal delivery for them at sundown so they could still, you know, take advantage of some of the free meals from the conference. They didn't feel like they were completely missing out on the experience, even though, you know, uh, they couldn't participate in all the meals that we offered on site. So definitely being aware of, you know, who's coming to your event, what might be happening around that. You know, it, if you try to do everything to everyone, it's definitely overwhelming. So you need to look at what your demographics are, where you are in the world, you know, all those different factors. Um, and like I said, we added some statements to the website last year and made sure we had some email addresses and little blurbs saying, if you have any suggestions, because as good as we think we are, there you know, might be a new attendee that has something we've never encountered before, we might not have been aware of. Another really important thing is, you know, the language that you use, whether that's in your email communications, on your registration websites, you know, things throughout the event itself. And there's a lot of great resources out there for inclusive language guidelines. Uh, I like to use those a lot to help make sure we're not using any language that's, you know, improperly gendered, sexist, ableist, ageist, you name it, it goes on and on. But a lot of, you know, our language has some interesting roots sometimes that we might not even realize. So making sure that we're making people feel as welcome as possible through the things that we're saying. And, you know, it's funny, but when you use these things properly, you don't even notice, but it just makes everyone feel better and you know, feel more welcome when you make those updates. To that end, also think about, you know, your attendee experience, things like pronouns and letting people easily be identified. How I look visually might not be, you know, what you are, how I prefer to be identified. You might make assumptions as to my gender. So that's another thing to make sure that attendees can you know, clearly identify themselves and not have to repeatedly correct others or you know, give those or yeah, have run of those situations. Can you give a couple examples? I know when, before we started recording today, we were talking and, and I love whenever there's opportunities for our listeners to say, oh, that's perfect. I know I can take that and use it and employ it immediately, you know, put it into practice as soon as this episode ends. So are there any examples of leveraging more inclusive language that may be, you know, not as well known for some of our listeners catching you off guard again this is me hitting you with the hard, the hard stuff today jeez 
<laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You know, a lot of it comes into just simple language that we don't even think about. Like it's taken me years to retrain myself. And even though I'm not from the South to make sure I'm saying, hey, y'all, instead of hey, guys, or, you know, anything like that, things that just become very ingrained in our speech patterns, especially depending on where we are. Even simple things like that, especially for folks that are, you know, either not guys or outside the gender or elsewhere in the gender spectrum, things like that can feel very alienating, but you often get very used to that. So you don't speak up and thus they might not realize that they're, you know, kind of causing those little bits of discomfort or pain for individuals. I think also just, you know, a really simple thing is asking in the, the feedback at the end of the event, what can we do to make the event more inclusive next year? Just being open, you know, when folks feel like you're actively listening and trying to hear from them, they're going to be much more willing to tell you and they're not going to just go, you know, post somewhere online and rake you over the coals and say, you know, this was a terrible event and they don't care because, hey, it, it's a journey. We're trying to make updates. We're trying to learn and grow and improve. So making sure they have a way to interact and feel that dialogue trying to think of what else are some good ones. I feel like I always use like in our team meetings, it's like, hey, friends, hey, team. Like, it's just very, because I had the same problem with hey, guys. Hey, guys is like the, the hardest thing to, to fix in my verbiage. Like, I couldn't get it out. You know, I was just thinking about an example of something we did last year at Seven Connect. And, and Nathan, you and I had kind of chatted through it. And it's it's something that we're employing this year, a complete change, right? But, you know, offering spaces for people who may not be extroverted and a little more introverted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was something that because it's not second nature to me, I am such an extrovert. It's hard for me to remember in the planning of it what the experience is like for someone unlike me, right? And so I have really, you know, we put a lot of thought into offering, I think we're calling it the wellness lounge or wellness room, but it's really an opportunity to step away and gather yourself in a quiet space, in a really ambient space. We're still going to have TVs in there. So should you want to step away from a live stream session, you're not missing out on the content experience. You know, and another one that you and I talked through was, It's Vegas. Everything is far. Everything is big, but there's always so much programming. And so we've crammed so much content back to back with not taking a ton of, you know, context into mind as to people need a break. People mean, you know, need a little extra time to get from session to session. So the way we redesigned some of the floor plans, we've moved, you know, our two largest, most popular stream stages to be in the same ballroom next to each other so that it's a lot easier for people to get from session to session. But in addition to that, instead of having 15 minutes in between sessions, we have 30 minutes. And that's a whole new opportunity for people to take the time they need to connect, to foster new connections. So all of that, to your point of, you know, having a solid post-event survey and gathering all that information, it's completely being, you know, employed and in practice for this year's program. So hope others are listening and thinking about it, you know, in, in a similar way that I'm excited to say that we have. I'm, yeah, I'm glad that we've normalized wellness wellness spaces. Like that's like, that's huge for our industry to like normalize that and make it part of it. Yeah, that's one thing I've been really excited about with uh, seeing kind of the the uptick in acknowledgement of you know how neurodiversity can really impact people's experiences and acknowledging the different things that we all have you know 
because a lot of it is invisible. A lot of folks can struggle through and, you know, sit through a session, but it's harder for them or they don't get as much out of it, especially those with like sensory processing disorders or, you know, other conditions it can be very tough to be sitting in a room, listening to someone, seeing all these lights and slides behind them and digesting that information. So having a place where they can go, you know, maybe read it on closed captioning on a TV or something like that can really allow them to fully experience the event and not just walk away completely drained or, you know, not able to pick up what's going on there. To that end, and I know we'll be sharing it with the resources, but there's a great ongoing project that Google has been working on called the New Project and New NEU for Neurodiversity. And they actually have a full downloadable guide for how to make events inclusive for folks that are neurodiverse. And they're partnering with so many wonderful folks in the industry, um, some folks that I know and have worked with in the past that are just top notch to make sure that we're providing these experiences for a lot of these facets of diversity that aren't always visible, you know, because oftentimes so much of it is not what's on the surface. It's what's underneath us. Yeah, that's a good point. And you also have to check out listeners. We've done a, po a couple podcasts on accessibility. Those are all out there. You should check those out. There's a lot in there to unpack of the, I mean, Nathan could speak on that for probably an hour, just, just uh, making tech accessible. And that's, that's like a whole, that's a whole department here. <laughs> we try to dedicate a lot of time towards making that easier for, for folks. And we'll, we'll try to pull any other resources that we find. I know people have been looking for checklists. So if we find one, you'll, we'll let you know. Nathan, is there anything else, any other takeaways for, or Paulina, any other takeaways that people should, if they remember nothing else from this podcast, what should they be doing with their events and DEI? You know, I think for me, one of the things we talked about in our session last year that really helps is just asking and talking about it a lot. So, you know, when you're sending out your initial RFPs, adding a couple of questions, asking them about, you know, hey, what do you have for, you know, gender neutral bathrooms or what is your company's diversity inclusion policy? And then, you know, a lot of these hotel chains have done amazing jobs. I know Hilton and Marriott are often some of the top employers for diversity rankings when it comes to the national awards here in the US. And so ask them, like, what suggestions do you have? What have you seen others do to make their events more diverse and inclusive? Because they get so much business going through there, they're going to see things that you might not think of. Definitely take advantage, you know, look at where you can also partner with minority owned businesses, women owned businesses, veteran owned, LGBT owned, there's so many great associations and groups that you can work with that would love to work with you and get that business and can help you on this journey. But oftentimes when we only focus on, you know, the vendors that we know or already have relationships with, we can, you know, have blind spots there. So I think really just, yeah, tapping everything from, you know, your suppliers, your vendors, the folks internally at your company, like I mentioned, our employee resource groups were a great place, even though not all of them end up going to the event. Um, and then of course your attendees, your speakers, ask them what you can do better, you know, what suggestions they have. Awesome. Paulina, anything from you? I know you had this journey with Nathan, so... For me, it's it's an ongoing strive to just Im for improvement, right? We want to we just as you think about designing your expense, your expense, your experiences or your events to be better. We should be thinking about it from a holistic lens, right? And that that includes DEI, that includes sustainability, that includes you know accessibility. And so we're all kind of on this journey together, and it's all about just continual improvement and. Yeah, I'm just, I feel very lucky that Cvent has the ERGs and, you know, colleagues like Nathan who are really open to talking. I think for those of us that are starting our journey in, in understanding and, and, you know, like I said, in bettering these 
events and experiences that we we put on, it's also a big part of listening. So it's it's having that great that healthy conversation, leveraging those resources to really, you know, make you feel like an informed individual. So thank you so much, Nathan, for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So much goodness here. And I, I hope our listeners found some good tips and tricks for, for their takeaways. I have a shameless plug. C-Bank Connect is coming up at the end of July. Nathan will be there doing a session on DEI, but we have a lot of other great sessions. Um, if you can't join us in person in Vegas, July um, 24th through the 27th, please join us online because we put a lot of work into it and we have a lot of great content. So it's shameless plug. And my session will be both virtual and in person. So folks can attend it even if they aren't there in person. Well, you have it there, folks. So you need to you need to hit up that in person if you're coming and virtually if you're not. So thanks again, Nathan, for joining us. Really appreciate your time. And then to our Rockstar listeners, thanks for joining us. As always, you can send us a note on LinkedIn or at greatevents at cvent.com. If you have additional things or questions, we're happy to answer. So thanks for tuning in to Great Events. We'll see you next time.